Welcome to VR Tech Talk on the Full Dive Gaming Podcast. You're here with Jay Brat and Nat Brat as we sit down with VR hardware producers, accessory designers, and more to discuss their newest VR initiatives. This week, we're sitting down here with Jeff Baz, creator of the VR Zone, an organization you might actually see at a gaming convention near you. Jeff, thanks for coming on. Ah, glad to be here. Well, we're glad you're here. And while we're saying thanks, we got to thank our sponsor, Asterian Products. They make VR play space mats, headset stands that glow in the dark. Well, do their RGB lighting. Check them out on Amazon. Code FULLDIVE10 will save you another 10%. Woohoo! Well, to start us out here, Jeff, you actually brought us out to the Techo convention in Pittsburgh earlier this year, which was super fun. We were hanging out in the VR zone, helping to introduce VR to hundreds of people who had never tried it, which was very exciting. Can you tell our listeners more about what VR Zone is and its mission? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we had a lot of fun uh, having you guys out at Teco. So my name is Jeff Bazadinsky. I'm the owner and operator of Baz LSC and VR Zone. VR Zone actually is an original content created at MAGFest, a music and gaming convention or festival right outside of Washington, D.C. in Maryland. So our show has been around for about 21, 22 years. And it's a huge uh, culmination of just a bunch of nerds having fun and bringing video games and having, you know, live music, live jams. I mean, it's anything and everything that you can think of just mixing in music and gaming all together in one. So our show's been around for so long. I think we've amassed 24,000 people. So I think it's been very well resounded for, for so many years. But VR Zone has been around for about five years, I think since 2019. And it's basically started off as a bunch of people bringing their headsets and their own personal computers. I mean, it's original land. Like everyone brings their own computers. You br- everyone brings their own board games is quite crazy. Right now, we have expanded our abilities outside of MAGFest, been able to replicate it at about 27 other shows in the last two years alone. So we have done, I think, a total 45 VR game rooms um, since we started doing it at MAGFest. Yeah, it's awesome. So awesome, especially for like barely after COVID times. That's big numbers. I mean, we we have been doing it before the pandemic and I actually brought my own systems and had fun at other shows, just more or less like my personal stuff with my laptop. I, I think we found some photos this past weekend of like 2018 with the original Vive. Uh, and uh, we had my gaming laptop, which was like a, a 20 or a 1060. Uh, we plugged <laughs> in and I had a, one of those big ass batteries that was like 500 watts that provided two hours of gaming um and we had it in a cart and we just put we just shelved around so it was the original it was the original quest like it was the mobile gaming nice. device that was going around it was like okay quickly put things on tripods and then everyone play in your space and then we'll just move it around okay your turn um so we have these photos from like i don't know five or six years ago doing this stuff at a convention just for shits and giggles but it was so much fun and i really wanted to capture that moment and be able to do it at other shows. And that's kind of why why we started doing it at MAGFest. It's a, such a great experience at, at showcasing VR to new users. And that's one of the reasons why I love doing it is just getting people excited and trying it out that they never have tried before. Yeah. Basically, we were out in Teco with you and you have this big setup. It's actually really well done. You've got like walls you set up yourselves. You've got all these little VR stations inside and quests make it easy because people can basically, they come up, they say, oh, I want to play this game or this game they see on the screen. We walk them over to the station, get them set up in the quest and just let them go crazy and play. So you've done this at a lot of conventions now and it just keeps getting bigger. How big is it currently? What's your 
next plan of how big you want to go. So right now we have it at 27 shows concurrently. I want to expand it even further that we have so many talks with other conventions. They just can't be able to provide extra support to make that happen because a lot of this is ends up being funded by myself. There are a lot of great opportunities on the way that we do things. But the reason why we have been expanding so, I don't want to say aggressively, we, we have been expanding so quickly is because we are coming from staffing the staffing side. So a lot of the conversations we have with other conventions is basically because I'm staffing a lot of other these a lot of these other conventions. Mm. So currently, besides being a director of VR gaming at MAGFest, I also hold director positions at 13 other shows that I have at these events. So Techco, SecuraCon in Seattle, um, uh, Playthrough Gaming in Raleigh. Um, and that's where it has basically stemmed. Uh, the event scene is really tightly woven. Uh, when you staff at a convention, you probably staff three others. And that's kind of how we finagle it of just saying, hey, who's part of MAGFest that works at other conventions that would like to have this what we do, especially when this is a free to play operation that people just enjoy and shows want to have it, but they don't necessarily know how to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and because we're well-established and we've been doing this for, for many years and I own all the systems so I can do a lot of things without having to go to you know a sponsor or uh, um, yeah, a company and saying, hey, we need this, we need that. I go directly to the events and be like, hey, we can come in as staff and make this whole thing happen and we just have a lot of fun because i mean that's the great thing about this is is you know we don't have a corporate sponsor we don't have you know uh someone over our shoulder and saying hey we're the man and we want you to do this we just like we just want to have fun it's just the core basics of just playing games you just like it's the old school land parties back in like you know <laughs> the, the, the 90s people just bring their systems or their computers play games uh but the great thing with us is we don't need to do that. We bring our own systems and the Quest 2 really allows for a lot of this to happen, especially how cheap they are and how um, it, it, how easy it is to bring versus these PC VR setups mm-hmm. that just take so much extra effort to haul or set up or there's always something that goes wrong with you know bringing index systems or you just need a lot more uh, uh, capital investment and just uh, powerful enough computers to run them. And then these Quest systems are just like, yeah, we could play Fruit Ninja anywhere we want it. It's <laughs> great. Uh, and that's that's why I love them. True. And so with the Quest 2s and not taking up too much space, but you still have to have a little play space. How many VR stations do you have in total at most of the conventions that you're going to? I currently own 40 Quest 2 systems that are fully active right now, but we don't bring them out to all the shows. So it just really dictates on the amount of manpower that we have. We have averaged about 18 to 20 headsets so we can competently have at a show, which allows us to now split up forces. So we have enough staff members that we can actually double book a weekend. So we've already done uh, Nandasku Con in Denver and San Japan at the same time where we have uh, 12 to 15 headsets at each show independently. And then we had the same thing for Otakon and uh, um, for another show there the same weekend. We're not limited on headsets. Uh, um, I actually don't bring them all to the same show. Uh, it's just more or less how many people that we can have because everything we're doing is so much more hands-on than any other gaming activation. So it's not simply just putting consoles and TV set up and just unmanaged. This is actively engaging and and making sure people are having a great experience. We're, We're teaching them this headset or how to operate the, the the quest system or you know educating them of hey I think you might be lost in this game look a little bit to your left 
that's where you need to. Everything we have, what we're doing is curating. We're, we're making sure we're providing the best experience possible because we're helping each person, you know, we're a fellow gamer to another gamer. So that way they might be entitled or at least feel uh, inspired to go play their, that game. Or maybe if they're not, have their own headset, they go out and buy one and become one of us. <laughs> yes. So I had a meeting earlier uh, with one of the VR partners uh, and we're just talking. It's like, you know what? What we're doing is, you know, uh, we should start a VR religion <laughs> and just be able to say, hey, you know, uh, join us. Uh, we're just join, join us, us into the, the virtual world. Just don't drink the virtual Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. It's It becomes evangelical because VR is so enjoyable. But one of the things that makes it really enjoyable is doing it with friends. And you're the first one I've ever seen pull it off. We actually had people in co-op games, in versus games. What went into making that happen in the middle of a huge convention hall? About a, th- a half of our shows or even two thirds of our shows, uh, we have to fight to get internet to do anything. Um, and sometimes we just don't do multiplayer games because of the lack of access for the internet. So I know for a fact that the Teco location that we were at, we were going to have a pretty good operation because of the T-Mobile 5G setup that I have. Uh, I have done that show in the past, so I know what our internet options are going to be, either if it's going to be provided by the show or um, I have to provide it myself. I just know that that convention center, specifically where we're going to be, had open air, and I know we were going to hit proper 5G towers and not repeaters within the convention center. So when you have a lot of these uh, conventions and you have to deal with the networks inside a a concrete barrier, basically, there's always going to be some sort of pitfall uh, uh, with that unless you have some sort of agreement uh, with the convention center to have wired internet, which is maybe 10% of the time because getting internet on location at a convention center is prohibitively expensive unless you're like Magfest, which we actually bring our own in it. <laughs> so we <laughs> wire up the whole place without, you know, with a Gaylord's approval. But I believe that Gaylord is actually afraid of Magfest because we have so many uh, amazing IT professionals who know what they're doing. <laughs> there is a lot of technical bits we have to make sure what, what we can do. And if we have to, we have a backup plan just in case if we can't do multiplayer, we can do everything in offline mode and just saying, hey, you know, sorry, we just can't do co-op or multiplayer multiplayer, but we guess we still got great experiences, you know, like Blades of Sorcery or, uh, you know, Synth Riders or Pistol Whip or other good single player games. And even then, uh, we can do leaderboards of those types, some of those titles and just saying, hey, we're just going to do this offline. We just record your score and then we still have uh, at least some semblance of organization to do uh, VR esports on that realm. Definitely. And you are, you mentioned it earlier, but I just really wanted to ask, you said this has been self-funded. Is anyone helping you with this at all? Any companies, anyone? So the companies haven't really, uh, they're interested in our operation and the ways to, uh, to support us. Right now, um, uh, We most of the funding has either been through uh, what um, I have been doing with the events. So we sometimes we if we have a budget from an event, that's just really just covering uh, uh, logistical costs uh, or just things that my company can be able to support. So technically, I'm te- the only sponsor in doing this effort. Um, and it's mostly just by choice because I have to be very careful in the way we operate um, mm-hmm. because I'm tied to so many 501c3 um 
uh, of these organizations. So MAGFest is a 501c nonprofit and a lot of other like Teco is also another 501c3, uh, SakuraCon, another 501c3. <laughs> so in terms of bringing onboard sponsors, um, uh, we have to do things in the right way and it's competent because we're tied with these, these organizations. So it has taken a long time to build up these relationships with every single one of these conventions uh, uh, to build out a proper sponsorship deck and to ha- be able to uh, hand off those sponsors that could provide us the resources to either directly or indirectly, um, or be able to saying, "Hey, you should just pay these uh, these five hundred one c threes." That will basically trickle down um, because the way I want it set up on a financial or sponsorship basis is to do everything correctly by the books and just make it show that it's a wonderful experience for everybody and no one's get shortchanged. This is a passion of mine, just like woodworking. And I want to make sure everyone sees what we're doing, have fun. That's the main point. And then if it ends up to where it's, you know, maybe not a money maker, um, but that's okay because this is a hobby of mine and I enjoy what I do. Um, so being able to onboard sponsors, while it is important to for the longevity and to the expansion of what I see uh, fit for the future of VR Zone and and what inevitably will evolution for VR Villa, um, it's not as important on the financial side. It's just more or less structurally. Uh, to make sure that what we have is uh, a fun environment, a community basis organization. And realistically, all we're trying to do is have fun. Yeah. And you're so passionate about this, which we love because we're also passionate about VR. What is your personal favorite part of doing the VR zone? Personal favorite? I mean, I got to put a shout out to Cookout VR. That's still my one of my favorite titles. <laughs> I just love yes. that game. I love it when people get in that game and they don't really understand that you can play all these crazy awesome co-op games that that are in existence i'm just excited about playing any multiplayer games with people at a show and get them excited to have these social atmosphere that they may have otherwise missed out on because they might have got a headset and they play beat saber no that's all i know that's all the games i know Mm. Uh, uh, we hear this time and time again i never knew this game existed if i got paid like a dollar i would probably be a millionaire at this point (laughs) about like i've never heard of this game why haven't i heard this game is this new it's like no it's called space pirate train been out. It's like one of the original launch titles <laughs> from seven years ago, guys. Yes. It's, uh, and it's still an amazing game. And I, I love having that game out there. For me, mm-hmm. I enjoy just blowing someone's mind, you know, either a VR veteran or a brand new person to VR of just, wow, this game exists. And it's mm-hmm. like, yes, and it should be put on a pedestal and cherished and, ex- and just showcased and have people have fun. And I think that's why uh, I, I love doing this is just, it's the purest side of, of gaming, of just sharing an experience with a fellow human and a fellow gamer or even not a gamer just because we have shown this to people in their 80s who never played VR gaming before or even really care about gaming and then they're like what is all this VR stuff about and like why don't you try it? It's just no detriment. And, you know, sometimes we get some pushback from the, from those, uh, uh, from those type of people. Uh, they're just like, ah, I don't play. And it's like, no, no, my, my mom, she's 78. She plays Beat Saber. And uh, yes. I, I think you could, I think you can. I'm like, when they hear that, they're like, oh, well, maybe. Then they go play fun and uh, and have a great time. And uh, next thing you know, they're playing cookout with their, their, uh, their kids and their grandkids. And yes. it's like, oh, no, next, next. No, I want to play it now. It's, you know, so, um, um, there's a lot of uh, uh, multi-generational stories mm. that we're building up here. And again, what I want to have is just making sure that people understand that this stuff exists already out in the uh, VR ESO th- uh, and then just have fun. 
yeah, my dad plays played Beat Saber, and yeah, he's in his sixties, and it's it's just it can bridge the gap between all people that aren't gamers. But the Quest Two really changed things, and the Quest Twos are getting cheaper and cheaper used. How are you feeling about the Quest Three? It just launched. It's more expensive, but what do you think? Is that something you want to incorporate into VR Zone? Is it going to change the name? It's definitely going to change the game because I'm pretty excited about the AR and XR applications and things that it can do and really excel at. I will still have the Quest 2s. Those gaming's VR operations is is not going to really change. If anything, the Quest 3s might hyper-focus on certain applications like pass-through for uh, a Demio um, or maybe the spatial ops for AR. That's what we might be doing for Anime Week in Atlanta this coming weekend uh, for the end of October. Um, Nice. If I can pull it off, I'll pull it off. If if not, then we'll just turn everything back to like Pistol Whip or whatever. (laughs) I do plan on having Quest 3s. I'm pretty excited about that. I don't have that in the books to have in the near future in the next couple of shows. We are hoping that we can come to a a really good agreement with Meta um, with things that we have in current talks with. But I'm also a little bit mixed because you did do a deep dive video about the battery and power Mm. hungriness of the Quest 3 that has me a little bit on, on edge since everything that we have is literally Bobo VR headsets, batteries. And if we can't confidently keep that powered without really complicated charging regiments with just the headsets themselves. Um, That's the only thing that's kind of putting me on hesitant pause, but I'm sure that uh, those technicians and the engineers will figure out a good solution by the time in maybe a month or two, we'll we'll be able to add VR uh, with Quest 3s. Yeah, because man, we were switching out those Bobo batteries so fast at the VR zone and all those headsets stayed working because we just had like a million batteries. Yeah, I mean, it usually takes about three batteries that I, unless the equation I like to have. So if I have 20 headsets, I'll have 60 batteries. um, So that way one's always on a headset, two are either charging or fully charged. Mm. Um, And that's the ratio that keeps everything pretty consistent. Um, That way at the end of the day, we still have good batteries life for any we have done it in the past where i used to do maybe one and one or one and two and then we just have a diminishing in terms of keep operating and sometimes it gets a little dicey at the end of the day when it's like oh it's getting close <laughs> to midnight and it's just like oh no one's coming and uh, coming to their 11 o'clock bookings like thank god because those systems are dead <laughs> so or we just be like i'm sorry we're gonna have to plug this thing in and you're just gonna be tethered for the next 20 minutes so it has enough charge and we'll just pull it off and you have fun <laughs> for the most part um we've been pretty happy with the boba vr batteries um doing the way that we've been doing it and uh, it's a lot of fun and, so, and sometimes i don't know if you see me at shows sometimes i actually will, will hot swap them while people are actually playing and that's the fun i can easily change the batteries when they're like on the stations like when they're uh, on the on the table it's like no 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 I'll, I'll, I'll just go walk around and i'll keep a couple fresh batteries in my pants and just be like i see someone right there yes. looks like it's a one and i'll i'll wait for them i'll just put my hand out and just about to grab it when they get close and be like snatching just like snatching grad uh, it's just so fun it's a lot of fun it's like a vegan it's like being a ninja the person doesn't know that you're you're about to attack them and you're like don't worry i'm just changing a battery and then sometimes sometimes we quip with them and be like oh if only we could do that in real life with just humans just change our batteries internally until we thought we'd That'd be great sleep. i know it'd be great maybe in the near future when 2077 becomes real Yes. <laughs> well, I kind of want to know what is the ultimate dream of VR Zone if you had 
unlimited backing, what would it look like? Would it be like giant? Would it have Quest 2s and Quest 3s and PC? Like, what would it look like? The next evolution is going to be VR Villa. So it's going to encompass VR Zone, which is strictly going to be the arc free-to-play arcade side. So the one thing I like what we do is we're trying to be inclusive to everybody. People who don't have any interest in, in competing at all, but mm. still want to play games. So, you know, co-op or multiplayer or just single-player experiences. If someone wants to go play until you fall for three hours uh, <laughs> in a corner, they can, you know. Uh, <laughs> but then have the VR eSports side that I want to have um, and then uh, bring bring out some of our partners, like developers and uh, accessory manufacturers at these shows and make it like a, like a mini tech demo of what the mm. VR state of industry is at every single show that we have. And that would be part of the VR villa. The main encompassing dream of what I want to have is establish VR game rooms every, every single show that I've ever wanted to dream. Uh, so all the 30 shows that we already established I want another 100. Uh, and that's across just the US alone. Mm-hmm. And I envision having this to be a multinational uh, endeavor. So having VR Zone established in Germany or for Gamescom or in UK or uh, or even all the way into Japan and just have these great gaming experiences across nations, across boundaries and just multi-generational and just explain to people what VR, AR really can become and what mm-hmm. it really can do on such a, a dynamic and uh, just gaming or even not non-gaming applications. Mm. Um, and that's where I want to see it come together and then have that that relationship with the developers of just having that, you know, these unique stories of like how Cookout really is to certain people of certain individuals um, and have these great experiences out there. The other dream is to have the cumulative VR Esports League that we're starting next year. So every VR zones we have established that we can uh, have the level of capacity that we can have this great experience like an actual sporting league someone comes to MAGFest and they compete in the pistol whip tournament and say, hey, if you're really good, come to the next one and uh, at the next show and you compete there and you start building up these po- uh, podium points, basically. And we structure it in a way that if you are really good, then we bring you out at the end of the year at the major final show, whichever that would be um, at the end of the year. Um, so that's the that's the big dream, really. Um, and I'm pretty sure we're, we're on track to hit that. That's amazing. And I, I most of our listeners probably have a quest or they're really interested in VR, but they probably don't have four quests. They can't play cookout with their entire family. Hmm. So I'm wondering, what are some of the spots you're hitting next? If some of our listeners are nearby, how could they find you? So they can go to our website at vrvilla.org, go to our events tab and see us. They can also join our Discord server and, and see where we are or interact with us. You know, for everything that we do, uh, I love talking with people or just educating people about the stuff, what we're doing at, where we're going to be at next. So they can learn more on our website, see some of the things that we have done, and then just play some games wherever we're going to be at. We, we are across the country. So we do shows in Seattle. We do shows in New York, uh, all the way down in Texas. Uh, most of the stuff I do is going to be in the East Coast because that's where I'm based at in North Carolina. Because of the way we operate, we're flight ready. We can go to any show that we that we can fly to, um, which is a great experience uh, when you have you know 20 Quest systems in your <laughs> check luggage. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Get caught by security. <laughs> well, it's fun going through TSA because I can't check in the Quest systems. They have to come on board with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so taking Quest systems, I can oh, fit eight man. Quest systems in my backpack and then 12 in my check luggage yes. or my carry on um and then all the batteries have to come on board with us too Uh, oh man (laughs) oh yeah so sometimes my backpack (laughs) weighs like 60 pounds with the boba vr uh, (laughs) 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. And the TSA, you know, they just they don't bat an eye because as long as it's following the rules, you know, following the rules, like you know, uh, just thinking what can what can we bring and not bring on a plane, what yeah. can we check in and not check in. So there's a lot of logistical challenges when we have to fly to a show, and and that does limit us in terms of what we can or cannot bring. Um, so we cannot we can't really bring TVs on a plane, um, you mm-hmm. know, checked or otherwise. Uh, so I use these short throw projectors from Epson. Um, and then I have, I actually have uh, the Brandon Walls. I made our manufacturer to make me a custom one to be able to do uh, uh, the same setup for a projector screen. Um, so they're able to easily be amenable to that solution for us. So we can have proper presentation with uh, JBL mobile sound systems at a small environment like a meeting room. Um, so being able to fly to San Japan in San Antonio, Texas, or Nandasku Khan in, in Colorado, Denver, and have have this amazing 2,000 square foot VR gaming operation that basically three guys in a suitcase can bring on board a plane. You know, <laughs> I tell everybody that that we have worked with, uh, this is what I can do with my abilities. And you know, if we had the backing and the abilities with our sponsors that we can onboard or, or how we can onboard in the near future, you know, just imagine what we can do with real money and not mm-hmm. shopsick money. <laughs> <laughs> well, that brings me to I want to ask: Is there anything else we didn't? cover that you'd like to share with our listeners, maybe you want to tell them about Chopsticks and other woodworks. Yeah, so I have been going to these same conventions for at least, uh, I want to say 15 years as an attendee. I volunteered as staff or just regular volunteer. Um, And then that's what kind of alluded me to saying, hey, you know, uh, I used to do software engineering. I used to work in IT. Um, how can I go to these shows and have fun? It's it's a great experience to go end out to any of these shows and find your fandom and find your people basically and have fun or go to the game rooms for some of these events or even just go to a gaming event like DreamHack and just have fun. And I love going out and meeting people and sharing these great experiences and playing games with people. I devised a way to do all of that with my own business and I quit my IT job. I started learning woodworking, going out to these shows as a vendor and selling our handmade products. So my main business is making these handcrafted unique items like custom-made chopsticks or these interlocking mechanical puzzles and have people play around by... And then we we also operate our wood shop to be zero waste and sustainable. So that is really important to me, um, both as a business person and as me as a personal value, uh, as an Eagle Scout, that I like to make everything proper, make it you know high quality, and then just be able to utilize everything as possible. So we work with so many exotic woods, and these are really expensive. Sometimes they're super rare, but also the opportunity of just saying, you know, we may never be able to get the opportunity to to make something out of this wood so let's as much as possible. We, we actually have been saving the sawdust and putting a little tiny potion bottles and making drop earrings that my wife makes wow. or po- uh, <laughs> little pendants and you know it's just sawdust but it's you know it's just beautiful <laughs> sawdust that's pure purple or pink or vibrantly orange but you know it's that part of the story you know the value that we see value in this uh, um, and we want to share this uh, this other passion of mine of just this unique wood products that we make and the tell the story of the wood of where this came from some interesting facts or uh, um, all these other things but also this the social aspect uh, of what this wood really means on the cultural sense and what it can uh, um, do in terms of like the the conversations piece that it can bring up saying hey uh, global warming or climate change or uh, zero waste uh, uh, 
initiatives that other companies are doing or you know what our company's doing on a larger scale that is providing a benefit for humanity or maybe not in just saying what are we doing as a society that is really hitting these goals or metrics uh, that is important to me like having zero waste or just climate uh, being carbon neutral or maybe even carbon negative that I speak as an engineer um, and just figure out new ways because my entire passion is I want more engineers in the world and have more problems solved and make more problems for the world. The thing I would like to talk about a little bit more is because I'm a crafter, because I'm an engineer and we do make these mechanical puzzles, we actually work with other engineers from around the world that design these puzzles. So we make their their puzzles into a physical realm. So I work with people that work at NASA and ESA and IBM and Microsoft and Google that actually talk with me. Hey, I made this design. Can you make this into real life? Or saying, yes, we could do this. Or hey, talk to this other world-class designer who's in Japan or in Europe or whatever. Um, and we are currently actively building these STEM programs based on what we are actually doing in my woodworking shop, and then actually start making some sort of initiative or goal to implement VR and AR applications with CAD and things like that with next to our VR zone with our maker spaces that we're just getting off the ground. So there's a lot of cool stuff that you can do, not just VR gaming, but really cool applications that, you know, if you wanted to uh, do VR sculpting, you can actually use either like uh, Google Tilt Brush or VR Sculptor and make something. And then there's a, pr- a process where you can actually pipe that out and to an STL and 3D print what you actually created in a VR landscape, you know, and that's a so really cool. cool, like, you know, pipeline and get, you know, even kids or adults or young professionals really interested. It has an actual actual application tool of what you can do. So there's just so much stuff and I want to make sure everyone understands like this is stuff that's here. This is not the future. It's now. And it's just getting even better and more refined just so quickly that it's hard for even me to keep up and even then, the way that the VR industry is so segregated and, you know, uh, in their own little waterhole, basically, it's hard to find some of the stuff out there. And we hear this all the time at every single show of like, I've never heard of this. I didn't know this existed. I didn't know that was over there. Um, and sometimes even when I talk with you guys, uh, it's like, I didn't know this game existed. Like Meteoric, that's a great mm-hmm. hand trafficking game that you, that I can't believe it's free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's amazing because like you said, this stuff is here and people see VR oh it's gaming it's games but like there's so many real world applications people don't even know NASA astronauts are training in it doctors are doing surgeries in it learning and there's so much more so it's a good gateway like get people gaming in it get them to want the headset but then they learn what else they can do with it the way they can spend time with their family it's across the world and feel like they're in the same room with them it's really wild where VR is going to take us I'm really excited to where the Quest 3 can go. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not there's limited applications at this moment, but you can't really tell developers to make something when the platform's not there. So that's why the Quest 3 is so important because it's, it's the next generation and next evolution of where the VR and AR industry can really go mm-hmm. and really shine. It may not have all the fancy features like uh, what Pro or what the Apple, the new Apple stuff is going to be um, for the eye tracking and things like that. Personally, me, I think the eye tracking stuff is going to be more or less a, a gimmick than, than anything. It's, it's important. I think it's going to be cool down the road, but that technology is so expensive to implement um, and it's kind of limited. But that AR, the XR stuff where you can have that crazy pass-through where it just looks like you're 
you don't even have a headset on, I think that's going to really transcend the, the the experience when people realize like, you know what, it's $500. It sounds like a lot, but it's like, well, I mean, if you think about it, the technology, it was 1500 yeah. a couple mm-hmm. months ago. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> and it's just better. Um, so I, I think if people are jumping into VR now, the Quest 3 is a really good option, but I don't want to limit people saying, you know, if you're just trying, if you're getting your toes wet, I still think the Quest 2 is a great option to have. And if you are lucky enough to not be in the US and you're in Europe, you know, you have a Pico 4, Pico 5 opportunity. That's another thing that you kind of dip your toes in as well. I think the where the VR is going is just going to be really um, interesting in the next year. And I'm just really excited about what some of these VR developers are really cooking right now and seeing what they can launch either um, in the next two months uh, or even uh, early next year. There's a lot coming and there's a lot this podcast applies to. I mean, if you're a developer out there and you've got a game that you want to get showcased at these events that can be shown to people who are brand new to VR, if you're someone out there who wants to get in the VR industry and maybe you want to be like, hey, Baz, hire me when you're in my city to come help you show off headsets. Or if you just want to learn more about what VR Zone's trying to accomplish, esports and all that, you've got a lot going on, Baz. I, I don't envy how many things you must have in your brain all the time you're working on. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean... We've got a lot of different initiatives. I don't have a bandwidth for all of them, but that's why we do delegate and I have a lot of people working with me and under me. But the main point is that, you know, this takes a village. That's literally my tagline It for VR Villa. It takes a village. And we have people that are on staff that work at Epic and Ubisoft. We have people um, at Polyarch that has helped me in the past for other shows that have stopped, helped staff us. There's developers all across the country, you know, because everything with, with development-wise is is highly remote now um you got people that are all across the the world in fact that can easily see what we're doing or stuff so i i invite all these developers if you have the opportunity to come out and experience what the vr zone or the vr villa has near your area it's not a trade show everything that we're doing is 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 public you know we're creating mainstream out there 28 percent of the people that have gone through our game rooms never tried vr before so we're their first experience we're cutting through all that slag that that misinformation about what vr really is and just telling people one-on-one genuinely what game do you want to try what piques your interest are you a shooter fan do you want to just slice some fruit i mean do you want to play as a multiplayer with your friends um and we don't hold back we just tell them like it is you know uh we have no no one to tie to of saying, hey, we're trying to make money here. It's like, no, 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 we're not. We're This is just me having fun with you. What game do you want to play? And usually whenever they pick a game, it's like, okay, what do you want to play next? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we have a huge resurgence of people just coming back. It's like, I'm going to try this game now. It's like, perfect. And now the last couple of shows, we actually have uh, switched our operation to be first come, first serve. So we're not doing a lot of appointment-based stuff, which means that we can have more headsets with the same amount of people. We just pay and play as long as you like. The only detriment is if you want to change the game you just got to go back in line so it allows us to bring more headsets and more systems and uh, without having to incur more detriment of having to bring more people for our staffing so if people want to play cookout for an hour or two they can if, if people want to play um, you know space pirate trainer for three hours trying to beat the, the top score guy they can 
<laughs> so that's, that's, that's the great thing. I think where I want to get to is start getting people who are VR vets to come out to these shows and bring their own headset and be like, we got space over here for your bring your own headset on this side. You know, if you need to check out some extra headsets with your friends who don't have headsets, you know, you want to play together, then that's where I would like to see a lot of these shows. It's just realistically space isn't a really limitation. Um, it's just the amount of systems we can bring out and the staffing that needs to happen to make sure everyone has a great time, a great experience, or just being a helping hand. Um, and a lot of time when people are there, they may not know. Well, we're, we're just you know an arm's length away just saying, where are you? Um, I don't know how to reload this weapon. Well, let me teach you how to reload this weapon. I'm stuck in this level. It's like, well, we've played this level. We know where maybe you should look to your left. And that's where that, oh, there's the cave. And then they go. I don't want people feeling lost or bamboozled. And, and I don't want people to waste 30 minutes on a, a you know a fledgling tutorial that doesn't make sense so when we're there we we provide all the experience we, we teach every single person of how to play the game as though you know we're teaching our mom as like here play this how you play this game and then making sure that you know we're doing it in a way that they can understand and actually just play the game um, so if we can teach everything in a couple of minutes we will and if, if it takes a little bit longer then we will I'm pretty excited about bringing more VR gaming out and more opportunities for team based multiplayer games which has been a big barrier for us uh, not just to internet issues it's just some of these games like Hyper Dash it you have to be much more knowledge based to play that game competently with friends or 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 Pavlov you just need to know the maps and stuff like that so getting competition level of people VR vets is definitely what I want to go for but it takes a lot of ex- effort to make sure all of this happens on the production side and the logistics side and then getting these people come out they won't come out if they don't know there that we exist and you know, not having a lot of opportunities to play VR at a show is what I want to, you know, uh, get to. Yes. And you are doing the Lord's work with spreading VR. So we're going to make sure that there's links in the description, the show notes. Anybody wants to learn what VRville is or where you're going next, how they can come find you. But Jeff, it's been an absolute pleasure once again to hang out with you, chat with you. Yeah, we will be doing a number of VR zones for the rest of the year. Um, so we've got Anime Week in Atlanta coming up this coming weekend. We have Nekocon in Virginia. I believe we have um, Yamacon in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Surprise, surprise, we will be doing VR Zone at DreamHack in Atlanta at the end of this year, um, which is probably going to be one of the largest VR zones that uh, we have done thus far. Um, so if you thought Teco was big, just imagine even bigger. So, oh, And I'll man. be there. I'll be at DreamHack. <laughs> yes, so. yes, yes. <laughs> we're we're going to have you and a couple other VR influencers um, out at on show floor um, and just have an immense, amazing time. I think, I mean, that's one of the powerful things of what we have been doing and accomplishing is that uh, ESL and DreamHack sees what we're doing and they're excited. Um, and they basically gave me a blank canvas. What can you do? Jeff and I'm like this is what we can do it's like how about VR <laughs> esports yes <laughs> we can totally do that let's have fun let's bring everybody out let's have all the systems as much as we can bear um, and just you know make the best you know VR land party that we can have and you know again have fun and share this and that's the, the whole point of what this is so awesome it's been so great 
to chat with you again. And I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon when there's more exciting things coming. Yes. And uh, if you're out there, you're listening and you're near Atlanta, hit us up on the Discord or something. Let you know because I'm going to I'm going to be out there. We can hang out. You can come try your hand at playing cookout with me or try to beat me at Beat Saber. Uh, Maybe good luck there. But (laughs) (laughs) yeah, Jeff, thanks again for tonight. It's been a blast. Definitely. Um, Looking forward to seeing you guys in person again. Yes. Woohoo! And if you're out there, you're listening to the podcast, remember, come over to YouTube. You can see we've got footage from when we were at Techo before. We've got stuff up on the screen showing you what VR Zone looks like in person. And of course, if you're watching us already on YouTube, but you need more of us, take us on the go. We're on every podcast platform. And if you've been thinking about VR, maybe it's time to come find VR Zone and dive on in. in. <laughs>